0: Life. Super powers. Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology.
1: We're here with Yariv Bash, co-founder and CEO of Flytrex, which we'll talk all about, and founder of Space.io, which is a very cool non-profit, Israeli non-profit, that's actually probably going to land an Israeli spaceship on the moon. Yariv, what's up?
2: It's not probably. We're going to land an unmanned spacecraft on the moon. Yeah,
1: I wanted, I wanted to hear you say that.
2: <laughs> so how are you? Uh, not bad, not bad.
1: What are you up to these days?
2: Uh, mostly Flytrex. It's an unmanned... Uh, drone company. We basically, we're doing drone deliveries. The uh, the promise that Amazon uh, is working on. So we're going to supply that to everyone who's not Amazon. It's a huge market. And currently we're working, already deployed in Iceland, and we're now working with the FAA on a pilot in North Carolina. Amazing. And how is
1: that going so far?
2: Uh, not bad. I expect that by the end of this year, you're going to see uh, hamburgers flying above people's head in uh, a small town in North Carolina.
1: Really? By the end of this year?
2: Yes. Uh,
1: so it's very much back to the future, like people in some places in the world already, and pretty much thanks to you, are walking down the street and seeing flying drones delivering stuff.
2: Well, actually, they they fly at roughly seventy to hundred meters, or two hundred to three hundred feet, so you can barely see them or hear them. Uh, so, but but once they start descending to uh, lower the uh, the order to the ground. That's where you, when you can see them and uh, probably hear them as well. Yeah. You guys are so aloof about this. So like, like we're gonna
0: we're at so just to, to picturize this. This mm-hmm. is how North Carolina is gonna be look like. Okay, it's gonna be <laughs> hundreds, thousands. How much are we talking well, about? Well,
2: depending, it's a small town. It's a twenty-five thousand people town. So we're gonna start with a, just a few drones.
0: Okay, and they're gonna fly around with like packages. Let's say, mm-hmm. what size, like a, a burger. You said burger, but.
2: Yeah, it's uh, the uh, the box the, the current box for packages is 15 by 11 by 7 inches or 28. What's
1: by... that type? Like that's like a very object?
2: that's a huge uh, a shoe box. Shoe box, cool. Uh, basically, you can take food for up to a small family in it, hmm. up to six and a half pounds or three kilograms. Uh, we're working on a larger version now, uh, but currently you can take six pounds to distances of up to three miles or five kilometers which covers uh, pretty much more, most of the town.
0: It is incredible. So wait, wait how does this work on a, on a technical level? Is there someone manning the drones? Oh, no, 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 no.
2: <laughs> at the end, we, we have to compete with, a, with a, you know, a, someone who's 16 years old on a scooter. So it has to be cheaper than that. So basically, a Flightrex operator can now operate a fleet of drones in real time on his own. So the system is quite, it's not really autonomous, it's automatic. Uh, All the operator has to do is uh, insert a new package, replace the batteries if they've been depleted, and just, you know, press a green button. And we take care of the rest. Uh, We do the fleet management, the logistics side. The drone takes off, flies towards the destination. The customer receives a notification. He can see the drone in real time flying towards him. Once the drone hovers above his backyard, all he has to do is press that he's there at the location approving delivery. The drone lowers to 15 meters or so, or... uh, something like 40, 50 feet, lowers the package on a wire to the ground. We do not land near the end customer. And then the drone flies back to be uh, you know, reinstalled with a new package.
1: And like planes in the sky and birds?
2: So birds tend to avoid the drone. We we fly at uh, 50 kilometers per hour or 30 miles per hour or so. So birds just run away and we fly below the, the altitude of demand. Flight, so it's uh, we're segregated from the uh, the others. Got it. Hunger Games. That's that's Hunger Games. Right. That's the future.
0: Why, why Hunger Games? Because I only saw it in Hunger Games. <laughs> I haven't seen the drone. Uh, I saw the Amazon commercial, but I've never seen the drone come with a burger yet.
2: So you you can I'm fly excited. to Reykjavik in Iceland, and we're now deployed in 23 locations around the city. Uh, we're now walking on the backyards, and you can just order your sushi or hamburger to any one of those points and get it within. 15 minutes instead of an hour and a half
0: in Iceland you said I right yeah, you, the get to Iceland? Of Iceland.
2: yeah so it's a mixture of uh, the uh, of finding a really good partner local partner mm-hmm. and the regulator that's willing to experiment and to give you a you know to, to work with you to, to find a way to make that work.
0: Wow, so but that's very random for me. Like, so like you found that regulator in Iceland just by.
2: So we we got you know leads from all over the world, and we we qualify them. We see that the partners are good, that they're strong, and they they have the problem. They have a problem of last mile or on demand delivery, and then we we start looking at the uh, regulatory framework in that country. We've got a few advisors uh, that are helping us with that, and once we saw that we have a strong partner in Iceland. And that uh, the regulatory framework can enable us to fly beyond visual line of sight. That's one of the scariest things for uh, uh, for drone operators, uh, and to fly above people, above a city. We realize that there's a, a great potential in uh, in Iceland. And, and the security risk is there? Is there any like
0: uh, on drones flying? On I know everybody's scared. I never seen a drone fall.
2: Okay, mm-hmm. I
0: have a drone. It comes back when the battery is depleted. I see that exactly. But is there uh, any danger so- at all?
2: Currently, we are using uh, we, we're a bit like FedEx. We do not produce the trucks; we just procure them. Uh, so we're using uh, industrial-grade drones. They're very safe by uh, DJI. Mm-hmm. You probably have a DJI drone. That's exactly. A consumer what I have. one. Yeah, ours is a bit bigger. It's like a private in a, in a truck. And DJI today sold millions of drones without a single casualty. Uh, if you compare that to cars, that's you know so much safer. And by delivering with drones, I'm actually taking cars, scooters, and trucks off the roads. True. So I'm actually saving lives by going to drones. Sold. You yeah, got the pitch. Yeah, I didn't see that people, one coming. Yeah. How, how, can we, how can people see this in
1: action? Are
2: there any videos online? So on flightex.com, on our uh, Facebook page, on our uh, YouTube ch- channel, you can see a, a few videos that we've made. And actually, I expect that now we'll start, we'll start deploying um, um, uh, a bigger project in uh, in Reykjavik and we'll start deploying in North Carolina, I expect that you'll start seeing, you know, consumers or actual people who use the service uploading videos of them receiving the packages. Yeah, I sad.
0: have the problem. I have the problem. If a burger's flying about 100 meters over my head, mm-hmm. won't it get colder faster?
2: Well, we deliver it within like four or five minutes. It doesn't have a chance to get colder. So, it's, it's, you know, we're flying 50 kilometers in a straight line directly to you it's hey, so Domino's much faster Domino's
1: pizza's uh, promise for 30 minutes Suddenly, sounds very lame
2: yeah it does sound lame
1: hmm. a whole new world of opportunities mm-hmm. now
2: now if you can order uh, you know you have two options sushi that will arrive within an hour and a half or a sushi plate that will arrive within 15 minutes 20 minutes uh, you're not gonna you know it doesn't I'm make sense hungry. to wait
0: I'm exactly. a hungry person I have exactly. kids they want it now
2: <laughs>
1: and Yariv, how, how did you end up thinking of this idea how did this happen
2: Uh, So as I was phasing of day-to-day activity in SpaceIL, Amit, who was my flatmate uh, a few years before that, uh, was phasing out of his startup as well. And he started playing with drones. And, you know, he contacted me and he told me, I'm playing with drones. Do you want to, you know, join me in playing? And the first product that we've developed was a a GPS tracker for drones in real time. And for the first two years of Flightrex, we didn't raise any funds. We bootstrapped the entire operation we ended up selling more than 20,000 units in 70 countries made in those two years almost 1 million dollars in revenues hmm. it was a nice business uh, but then we realized that the killer application for drones is going to be on demand delivery uh, how? I mean, how
1: did you realize that
2: well when you think about it in in a few years from now uh, once the uh, i don't know the iphone 14 is out uh, if you'll be able to order it and receive it on next day or you'll be able to order and receive it within 20 minutes. For the same delivery price, there's really no point in, in doing X day delivery.
1: But you had the GPS drone business, and it was doing very well.
2: It was doing nicely. I mean, it was, uh, you know, ramen soup profitable. Uh, it's a hardware business, so most of the... Uh, it's, a, it's a term. <laughs> I, I, so, I
0: didn't know that term. That surprised me. I like that. i so, use that.
2: So basically, uh, you know, when you're doing hardware, a lot of, of, of your revenues... Go into producing the hardware itself, packaging it, uh, selling it, receiving back—you know the uh, def- defects or people are unhappy with the product. It's uh, very different than a SaaS company.
1: Yes, which do you have any experience in, or just as a compa- general comparison?
2: As a general comparison, uh, flightrex today is more about the software than the hardware itself.
1: Oh, you're saying Flytrex is more like a SaaS company?
2: Ah, uh, no, yeah, the we're not exactly. We're like—you uh, can say that we're a platform today.
1: So you wanted to make a shift from uh, dealing with hardware uh, to shift uh, to dealing
2: with platforms, Uh, to dealing with drone deliveries, and finding the the exact uh, position where we should be to 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 help companies solve their own demand problems. Okay. And it's, uh, you know, it sounds very simple, but it's...
1: Oh, it does not sound very simple. <laughs> it's like there's nothing simple about this. It sounds very technological. It sounds like very sophisticated. Uh, and it sounds like a great challenge to even penetrate that market, especially since Amazon have been talking about that for years. Oh,
2: Amazon are not... I'm not competing with Amazon.
1: How come?
2: They're, they're, you know, they're going to educate the market. They're going to enable the market. And eventually they're going to solve that problem for Amazon customers ordering from the Amazon platform, and delivering stuff from Amazon warehouses, any other retailer would need a similar solution. Now, it's not like AWS. Uh, Amazon's logo or slogan is building the the largest or greatest store in the world. They're not going to give that advantage to other stores. They're going to keep that to their stores. Uh, So basically, any other retailer would need a similar solution. Great. Smart.
1: Uh, And what led you to this in general?
2: Uh, so after two years of you know being in the uh, drone industry, when we entered the drone industry, we weren't really sure what's going to be the killer application. But after two years, we you know we started thinking about what's going to be the, the the largest market that drones are going to tackle, and by far it's 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 delivery.
1: So you were within the landscape, and then you you knew it better from the inside. Exactly. So you were able to identify the opportunity there. Mm-hmm. And then you just uh, made the shift.
2: Yep. Uh, we, we don't call it a pivot. We call it evolution because we already had a, a system capable of receiving telemetry in real time from drones. Mm-hmm. So now we have to control so them as So it was well. almost natural. Uh, yeah, sort of. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Got it. What do you find like that's more, more challenging? A lot of people that we talk to are talking about the challenge of uh, uh, regulation, uh, law enforcement, uh, um, law in general. And there's also the technology side. So it's always the sexy side is the technology side. But sometimes the biggest challenge for them, I don't know about you guys, is the regu- regulation. Um, you know, it's like generally the cock block of a lot of startups that if they don't pass that stage, sometimes it kills like yeah. a lot of great startups just killed by small legal issues.
2: That's why we, uh, you know, from day one, we said the main KPI is flights. Uh, I, I'm not waiting for the U.S. market to open up, even though now we have one of 10 pilots approved by the FAA. Uh, so that's why we went to Iceland. Uh, we also have a small operation in uh, Costa Rica as well uh, that we still haven't released too much information about. And we, from day one, we said, okay, we want to be there. We want to be ready once the, uh, the, you know, the North American and European, West European market opens up. That's the real market. Mm-hmm. But my, my KPI for the, uh, for the short and medium term is going to be flights how many flights have i performed uh, and that way we you can tackle a bit the uh, the regulatory uh, barrier um uh, so like proof, proof of concept uh it's more than that it's it's optimizing the process optimizing your system the system the cloud the drones themselves the operations the uh, interfaces with your clients and with the restaurants or, or retailers everything has to be uh, worked out uh, including the business model the pricing so once the uh, the real market opens up, I'll be in a much better position than anyone else.
0: So it's like uh, you, you choose your, your strategic sandbox. Exactly.
1: But I would guess that after dealing with uh, much larger regulators, uh, trying working on sending a spaceship to the moon, this is probably like a walk in the park, right?
2: So not exactly. Uh, spacecrafts have been launched, so it's a known process. Hmm. Uh, drones, that's a new realm. Uh, for most of the regulators, they, uh, you know, they're looking a bit to the right and left, seeing what other regulators are doing. At the end, I'm, I don't walk against them. I walk with them. It's it's my role as well as theirs to make sure that both the skies and people on the ground stay safe. Uh, so they have to feel uh, that, you know, they can uh, go to sleep at night. In, in, Trust you. And, you know, and that everything will be okay. And that's also something, you know, sometimes in, in uh, our VPR&D, Vadim, says that he doesn't care. You know, we have to stand by regulations. But at the, the end, besides the uh, regulatory framework, he wants to feel himself that he can go, to, you know, he can sleep, call me at night. So it's sometimes you have to do a bit more than what the regulator asks you so that you'll feel safe as well. Uh,
1: and dealing with uh, regulators before, uh, such a large scale uh, mm-hmm. in space IL, do you feel that helped you develop some skills or is this a completely new ground?
2: Uh, it, it's very different. It's very different uh, because at space, Head, it was more about, okay, that's the, uh, that's the book we have to fill. And over here, it's more of a discussion. It's a step-by-step process. In Iceland, we didn't start flying all over the city near the airport. We started by doing one route between two points, landing on the other side with an operator. We our operator, or our partner's operator on the other side, approving the landing. And as we've progressed, now, now they allow us to deliver to uh, to people, you know, directly to consumers. And in the next few months, to uh, uh, a lot of backyards in What about weather? So that's a great question. Our uh, corn drone can't fly in the rain. The next one that we're and already evaluating. Island. Yeah. So the next one that we're already evaluating can carry further, you know, more weight, to further distances, and fly in really heavy rains. Wow. And the nice thing was that I don't have to do a thing about it. DJI developed it for, you know, whoever wants it, and I just buy it.
0: Wow. How does it fly through rain? Like,
2: is... it's, uh, it's sealed.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> it's got a little umbrella.
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: And I noticed we were talking about Space IL. Let's explain for a second. Like, can you explain to us what SpaceIL is? Because I think it's...
2: Mm-hmm. So SpaceIL is, is an Israeli not-for-profit. We an educational not-for-profit. Our mission is sending an unmanned spacecraft to the moon, making Israel the fourth nation to softly land on the moon. But the vision is is impacting a generation. We're an educational not-for-profit, and our goal is that by the time we land on the moon, every kid in Israel will be able to explain his parents what the spacecraft is is doing. And we didn't invent that. During the '60s, it was called the Apollo effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, kid went kids went in increasing numbers to become engineers and scientists. Back then, it was a side effect of the Cold War. For us, that's our goal. We've met with hundreds of thousands of kids we are working on a nationwide program. And, you know, 10 years from now, I I want kids to explain, to tell me that they went into engineering school because they they got excited from space.
1: How does a person wake up one morning and decide that they're going to send the spaceship to the moon in order to inspire a generation?
2: So uh, it didn't happen in the morning. It happened in the evening after a lot of whiskey. Uh, Back then, I was working for the uh, Israeli Ministry of Defense. I was a team leader in doing, you know, hardcore engineering. And I was also the co-founder of Machanet. Machanet is the Israeli creativity camp for uh, the Israeli defense and security services. And every year, we, you know, we had like a main project for the camp. And back in 2010, we brought Shimon Peres to the camp. It was, you know, back then it it was the president. And then I asked myself, okay, what's the uh, the technological project that we want to do next year? And the idea that I thought was of was of uh, building a rocket that will reach the edge of space, uh, will release a small plastic spacecraft, like you know an X-wing or something like that, and you know record the video of it and call it the first Israeli spacecraft. <laughs> uh the camp happens in an Air Force base, so you know I,
1: and this I, was as a challenge or
2: uh, just as a you know, as a fun project <laughs> during weekends. and uh, everything happened in an air Force base, so I said, okay, it's probably easier to receive permits to that from the military than than than, civil, than the civil aviation authority. And I went to a friend's house. And after a few glasses of whiskey, I I told him about my uh, idea for the main project for Machanet next year. And he told me, ah, you're not thinking big enough. (laughs) And I asked him, what, are you talking about the CubeSat, the nano-satellite? That's a satellite that's about 10 by 10 by 10 centimeters, weighs about a kilo, costs the order of six figures, lower six figures in dollars. I told him, ah, it's too expensive for the camp. And he told me, no, what about the Google and X price, sending a spacecraft to the moon? I heard about the competition and I told him, ah, you're crazy. What's that?
1: What's the competition?
2: So, the, uh, back in 2008, I think, Google started a competition called the Google Lunar x Prize Competition. The goal was to send an unmanned spacecraft to the moon, land it, travel 500 meters, and transmit back images or videos of the landing and the, uh, the journey on the moon. And the first prize for the first team that does that was $20 million. Uh, back then, there were, I think, more than 30 teams registered, already registered. And when uh, my friend told me about the competition, uh, it was in November 2010. Registration was opened until December 31st. Like it was <laughs> open for something like three years. And I told him, ah, you're crazy. Uh, but uh, Ilan lives, uh, lived nearby where I used to live and uh, in Tel Aviv. And uh, as I strolled the streets of Tel Aviv back home, like around midnight, I asked myself, well, how should I name the Israeli team? Uh, <laughs> I thought about Space IL, as in Space Israel or Space Illinois. And <laughs> when I got home, I registered the Space IL domain name. Uh, I posted on Facebook, who wants to go to the moon? And I emailed Jonathan, who was a friend of mine. He worked for the Israeli Aerospace Industries for the space division. And I wrote him, "Listen, remember my rocket idea? I have a crazier one. Let's let's meet." And after the day after Kfir, who was a Facebook friend of mine, wrote me back. Well, if you're serious about the moon project, I'm in. And the three of us met in a pub in Hulon and started uh, charting our way towards the moon.
1: Wow! Uh- and are we
0: there yet?
2: Almost. Almost.
1: How many years since then?
2: Almost eight now.
1: This was in 2008? The end
2: of 2010.
1: End of 2010. Uh, And so are you going to win the competition?
2: So after extending the uh, competition's deadline for a few years, Google, you know, they saw that nobody's making real progress, so they decided to terminate the competition. So there's really no competition now. Uh, There's no prize money, at but least. But even
1: if there was, I mean, how much does it cost to send the spaceship uh, to the moon?
2: Almost 100 million dollars.
1: So the 20 million dollar prize that they're offering is, the, uh, uh, the doesn't field. really help. Yeah.
2: now it's uh, the the X Foundation. The, the prize has never covered the uh, the actual expenses. Expenses.
1: Did they know? But, Did you know in advance?
2: Uh no. We uh, at the beginning we thought it's going to cost less than 10 million dollars. Nice. Yeah. Uh, we. We'll, Apparently, we were a bit uh, under budget.
0: What's so expensive about sending, like, I know, I know you know... <laughs> so, just the launch
2: costs, uh, let's say, in the area of Why? $1 million. Uh, everything is expensive. Just the fueling, fueling the spacecraft costs, like, six figures in dollars, almost a million dollars. I understand that. And, so, and then, what? what's expensive after that? Uh, the, the launcher itself. A complete launch costs somewhere in the area of $60 million, at least, with the SpaceX. Yeah, We buy a part of the launch, so there are contractors in the middle.
0: That, you know, when you say launch. launch, what does that mean? Like, what,
2: what's the, launch? the rocket. The SpaceX rocket. The, the rocket itself. That okay. puts you in orbit around Earth.
1: So you thought this is going to cost $10 million. Did you leave a full time job to join Space IL? to, to Space You did, and you thought it was gonna cost you ten million dollars, and you thought I am gonna make a nice profit because I am gonna win
2: twenty. Oh, no, it's it's a not for profit, so there is actually there is no equity; uh, the founders don't get anything besides. So there is gonna be
0: a lot of people who want to be scientists in Israel after, after, yeah, after a while. Yeah, yeah, that's I, a good motivation. I,
2: yeah.
1: Okay, fair enough, and still. Uh, you thought that you are going to be able to at least cover expenses. I mean, you, you had this sort mm-hmm. of business plan in mind, and you left a full time job for it. Yep. Uh, and then, when when was that point in time when you realized this is not going to cost ten million dollars?
2: So it was a step by step. I used to have a graph that shows how much we think this, this, the project would cost uh, in terms of timeline. And every you know every quarterly meeting or every half a year, we updated the uh, <laughs> the timeline and the the budget and the spacecraft size. So we saw that this is, you know, beginning to, to grow a bit.
1: And that's a, quite a challenge. Like, did you feel like maybe this is not going to work out?
2: Uh, so as long as I had, you know, people who believed in the project and were willing to support, uh, we, uh, you know, we, we just didn't stop. But
1: it's weren't convenient. you scared? Didn't you feel like maybe this is spinning out of control, that this is becoming too big and you don't know how much it's going to cost and, or, or how you're going to fund it? And people are looking up to you and waiting for this promise?
2: Uh, no, I didn't think about that at all. I was thinking, okay, we have a we have a deadline. We have you know a, a mission to accomplish. Uh, this is the best timeline that I can give today. That's the best budget that we can you know estimate, and we have to update that as we go. It's uh, when, when we just got started. The, uh, we approached a few uh, serious people, uh, people like uh, the chairman of the Israeli Space Agency, uh, Professor Itzhak Ben Israel. Oh, yeah or the president of the Weizmann Institute, Professor Daniel Zeifman. And they all told us the same thing. Guys, we don't think that that's going to be the budget or the, the timeline.
1: They knew. Uh, yeah. What Google didn't.
2: So Google didn't really care. Okay. Uh, Google, did, you know, the X-Files doesn't pay you up for anything in advance. Yeah, they
1: literally, literally want you to uh, have a moonshot the goal. They put a moonshot uh-huh. goal, and they said, humanity... We're putting this out there. Somebody go. The first one that
2: manages to land the moon, let us know. That's simple, (laughs) but let us know and there's a price for that.
1: And you felt like you can do this. You were confident and you were comfortable raising funds for this.
2: Yeah, I thought I still think that this is, you know, something that I can accomplish.
1: So how did you get in that confidence? How did you know? Uh, I mean, you must have had some doubts.
2: So, you know, it's a problem that has been solved. On a bigger scale, with more funds, but it was the first time it was solved was back in the sixties. By countries,
1: that, Yep. not like a one-man show.
2: It's, yeah, it's you know the the, uh, the distance between countries and individuals is, is always shrinking. Huh. Today, you've got billionaires, uh, you know, have the, that have their own space projects. Uh, so it's always shrinking, and uh, it didn't look that it looked of course complex but it didn't look out just you
0: know, reach. real life superpowers doesn't do the whole sponsorship thing but we do like to holler about awesome ideas and things that are useful so great job quality time app no I don't know if you know this but I've been using Instagram about half an hour a day and I put a timer for 10 minutes a day so 20 working out for you. 20 minutes accumulated of more time Doing anything more efficient than going into Instagram, no offense, Instagram, is great for me. It's a great job, guys. Um,
1: Download it too, then.
0: Yeah, great idea. You're actually saying something uh, logical. You said if someone else did it, it was a while back.
2: Mm-hmm. Why there's can't a reason I? why I can't I'd, I'd do it. Mm-hmm. Was that logical. always your
1: mindset, even as a child?
2: Uh, that's a good question. I'm not really sure. not sure.
1: Like, do you remember times in your life where you felt uh, a bit overwhelmed by something that you wanted to achieve?
2: So I think that that's how I filter things uh, in advance, you know, if I, (laughs) okay, can I do it or not? You can, you know, today you can research everything and then you can have a sense of, is this something I can accomplish or not?
1: Was there ever a technological challenge that uh, you put your mind to and you thought this would be amazing for me to achieve, but Mm -hmm. I don't think I can? Yes. There was. I don't
2: fixing, mean sci-fi. Fixing spinal cord injuries. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, that's something.
2: Uh, I've, I've researched that, and unfortunately, we, we're still not there.
1: And this is something, uh, so you, about a year and a half ago, was this?
2: Yeah, back in March uh, 2017. So
1: you were skiing. And...
2: snowboarding with snowboarding. Uh, we've been snowboarding the same group for like 15 years. Never had, you know, nobody broke a finger. And I was uh, just uh, bad luck. I found myself landing with my back on a rock. And I just uh, broke my uh, broke my uh, spine and cut my spinal cord. And since then, I've been uh, using a wheelchair.
1: Yeah, and I, I remember the moment that I found out that this happened to you. And I remember uh, I saw that on a Facebook post. And I found mm-hmm. myself reading this. Like ten times, trying to find out if you're maybe kidding, yeah. uh, because I remember you told an entire story about a ski trip and something that happened, and you just finished it uh, with. Uh, so for for the time being, I have to say goodbye to my legs.
2: Oh, it wasn't for the time being. So it was from now on.
1: You said that. You yeah. See, I can't even comprehend that. Yeah, even. A lot of, a lot As of I people told me,
2: "Yeah, I thought it was uh, temporary." It's I No, it was from now on.
1: Because knowing you, it just doesn't make sense. Because you're the guy who who literally the phrase "impossible" is nothing. Is about you because you you just set, you do whatever you set your mind to, and then I remember uh, following you uh, and seeing, um, being amazed to see that you are not stopping.
2: So the uh, when I when I when I fell and you know, broke my back, I, I stayed conscious, and I immediately knew that you know in my head I said okay it's either temporary or or, or fixed. I have no way of knowing. Okay. Uh, I. Uh, I I faded out in the helicopter on my way to the hospital. Did they find you quickly? uh, So I I was snowboarding with friends, but I was the last one. So they, you know, we were quite experienced. So so we wait downstairs to everyone else. So
1: there wasn't a time when you were just alone there? I was alone
2: there. I was like, okay, I just stopped feeling half of my body. And I was like, okay, what the fuck just happened? And I just sent my hand and uh, I started taking it down to see where my body ends because I start feeling it. And I said, okay, everything is here. But I
1: can't and
2: feel it. I can't feel it. I'm, 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 you know, I'm on my back in a good position. I wasn't twisted or anything. My left hand, I didn't feel it as well because uh, I broke a lot of ribs. So it pressed, pressed on a few nerves. And I found my hand there connected and everything. And I was like, okay, all my friends were in front of me while snowboarding. I need to be found. So I just raised my, my right hand that worked and started screaming in like, Half a minute, a minute. Two British guys just stopped next to me. Did I you no think you're gonna die? No, I didn't think. I, I didn't think about it. Uh, I just thought that okay, once I was found, I know I'm not alone, and you know I'm gonna get the best treatment possible. I'm in France, not in you know East Europe or something like that. So that yeah. was you know, in my head. I was like, okay, there's at least that. And you know, the the ski all came, and after that, one of my uh, friends who was skiing with us Uh, is a pediatrician, like a kid's doctor. And he was like the first one from the Israeli group that got to me. And he was like, okay, what's wrong? And I told him, Danny, I I can't feel my legs. And he was like, do you feel me touching you? And he, you know, just pressed pressed me, uh, pressed really hard and I didn't feel a thing. And he was like, okay.
1: So what goes on in your mind in those moments? Uh, You also have a wife
2: and two children back home. So back then, I, I, you know, it was a lot of adrenaline. So I didn't have that in mind. I was like, okay, I was found. I'm in good hands. I'm gonna get the best treatment that I can. I can't do anything about it currently. Just be relaxed and and wait to see what happens.
0: Was there a time period that would have helped? Like if it would have happened. Faster? No,
2: no. Um, I just I told like my it was all very my told completely. Yeah, it was... Like in a snap. Yeah. You're fine. Mm-hmm. Wow. So uh, I faded out in the helicopter. Basically, I, I woke up after six days in in Ikhilov.
1: At the hospital. After, in Israel
2: I, I was medically seduced uh, in a medically seduced coma for two days in Grenoble in France I was then operated there my wife came Noah and then I was like seduced for a few more days while I was in France recovering and I basically woke up in Ichilov and I you know I saw uh, with my right hand at work that left was very very weak I saw that Which I got like
1: right now fine right?
2: Uh, yeah yeah she's fine just took the no hand. I mean your hand yeah it took, took yeah. it just uh, some time to recover okay I saw so many messages of people you know <laughs> what what happened we had rumors are you okay are you alive and I was like okay I'm not gonna answer any you know, <laughs> each one of these on, on the own fair enough uh, the best way to do that would be a Facebook pay, a wow. post and I uh, I was too weak to uh, to write the, the entire post myself so I just gave my wife my phone my brother was there as well and I you know told her okay I have an app uh, I have the message in my head, start typing. And they were like, are you serious? Do you really want us to post that? And I was like, yes.
1: Yeah, that's the question I was asking myself reading it. Is he serious? So, but this, what goes on in your mind in those days? Like you're a very ambitious person. You're very, you have a very full life. You're always on the go. You're always doing, you're always aspiring.
2: Was that crushed in any way? Um, no. I, I, in my mind was uh, my uh, my mindset was okay uh, I need to learn how to live with that uh, maybe solve it down the road but currently I have to learn how to live with that I have to be strong because I want my family to be strong as well and i you know I, I, I've got the work that I love and my life that I love and my my family of course so I, I want to get back to that as fast as possible
1: so how long did it take to to
2: actually do that because half, <laughs> half a year half uh, a year I was in the uh, neurological rehabilitation department in Tel-Achomero uh, for almost half a year uh, amazing team really wow crazy crazy people I, uh, uh, they're really supportive and they teach you everything you have to and they they push you and uh, I actually made a few friends from the uh, <laughs> from the medical team there and uh You learn to do everything uh, from, you know, from scratch uh, to make sure that you you can be independent in a wheelchair. You
0: you know what I I love about what you're you're saying? I'm sorry, there's this this (laughs) one sentence that you said, listen, I'll maybe solve it down the road. Like, you said that also when you're talking about space, IL and you said that also when you're talking about... Mm -hmm.
2: um,
0: um, uh, um, uh, uh, Danger. What's interesting (laughs) about that is you, you... like. This is what you do. You solve problems. Like, you, you, okay. I, were you were you always like solving problems uh, yes. to other people? Are you the eldest? Uh the eldest. In the like, family? In a
2: family? Uh, but I, I we're two brothers, so I'm the uh, the older one.
0: Okay, so but problem solving. How did you get to that
2: though? Uh, I love that. It so, was a challenge, and you want to solve it. I try to have one challenge at a time, so I don't usually. Why? To do that uh, because you wanna you know dive into the problem and be in the mindset of that problem
0: like is it impossible to, to solve two problems
2: uh, depending on the the size of the of the problem I mean being a, a CEO of the of a company you, you you know you solve a lot of problems simultaneously but it's all in a mindset of I'm doing drone deliveries now what do I have to do to make sure that the drones are flying and everything you have to do is clear the path to that uh, if I have now another problem which is spinal cord injuries that's a very different track, so
1: but you didn't stop to focus only on the spinal cord injury, except for that time frame where you had to be in hospital
2: so even in hospital i, I was you know I, I, I was full time at flight tracks. and you also had space in the background so so space alien, they don't need me on a day to day basis I mean board meetings parties, things like that <laughs> because, uh, we had an amazing CEO. we we have now a new one in uh, space alien, so they don't really need me. And um, Flightrex, Amit uh, my partner, was the CEO of his last company. So he uh, managed to cover for everything that I've missed. Uh, but after, like, uh, two weeks or something like that, I already had my laptop. And...
1: In the hospital. Yeah. With yeah. one hand and one sort of
2: working. Yes. And then, you know, I started bringing the team to, uh, to my hospital, <laughs> <laughs> hospital. bed. Yeah. Oh, my God. To do uh, team meetings. And then I started going out for a few hours every day. The rehab department, that's the, uh, like go out as much as, as you can. You They want to, you know, make sure that you return to your day life. And they didn't life. have to tell you twice? Nope. <laughs> so you did? So the first few times were like, uh, I had to go in a special van with like uh, an elevator that puts you down and takes you up and I was like, no, no, that's uh, that's too much of a hassle. Mm-hmm. And then you learn how to hop into a car from your wheelchair. And...
1: Do you feel like uh, you've mastered this skill completely by now?
2: Oh, no, no, no. no, no really not, but it's, not something that I'm looking forward to master. Uh, it's like, you know, I, I was pretty good at snowboarding. Uh, 88, 98% of the time I was, I was okay. Apparently. So it's a bit like that in uh, wheelchairs. I, I'm not, you're not going to see me hopping, you know, <laughs> stairs or anything like that. I, uh, I've had enough <laughs> of my share of accidents. Uh, I need to master it to a level where I, I can do. I don't feel that it limits me. Of course it does. Like I, I can't climb stairs. Yeah. Um, but on a daily-to-day basis, I, I can do most of the other things on my own.
1: So it really doesn't limit you to push forward at the moment. What you mm-hmm. need and want.
2: It does make uh, air travel a bit harder, but besides mm-hmm. that.
1: But are you coping with that? Do you still? I was uh, yeah, three weeks
2: do? after the, the hospital. I was already in New York and, uh, <laughs> of and you then were. the Valley.
1: <laughs> three weeks after.
2: Yeah, That's amazing. <laughs> it's uh, we had like one day in New York with seven meetings. And we just, you know, hopped from one Uber to the next, so that was like a good. Uh,
1: <laughs> and you returned to the hospital, right? You're basically there. No, no,
2: three weeks after I got released from the hospital.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, Actually, more, I
2: wanted—I was invited sense. to give a lecture in, in Paris, like two or three months uh, after the injury, and now my wife convinced me that, you know, I, I said, ah, "Let's we we'll leave the hospital for a few days and we'll just go to France and come back." She was like, "No, no, don't, don't play with that. Stay in the hospital."
1: Was that like the first time in your life where you? were stopped for real ah oh, no, no not really no okay so I, when
2: else uh the uh, well you know usually with small stupid ideas
1: <laughs> okay small stupid ideas that you're glad that you didn't do but
2: like uh, I you know you never know what, what would have happened if I done them but
0: uh... were you, were you uh, are you an entrepreneur of all your life like what was it like your first uh I,
2: I actually worked for the government for almost a decade so hmm. uh, you know, I was one of the guys who, in, my, in the technology department, that always loved to push forward and come up with new ideas. So you can say that I was an entrepreneur within the uh, you know, as mm-hmm. a government employee, but, which is impossible. <laughs> employee-preneur. Yeah, exactly. hmm?
1: employeepreneur.
2: Employeepreneur. No, I, we actually had uh, the uh, the unit manager was you know he was an amazing guy and he, he was all, all for you know giving people a lot of chances to uh, to work on their, their own projects. If you wanted to do uh, something, you know, on your own, you could stay in the, you know, the evenings, nights, and work on whatever you wanted. Uh, they really gave gave me a free hand to do uh, whatever, I, almost whatever I wanted.
0: Most successful entrepreneurs have, like, an aspiration, like, a, a inspiring figure, which was an ex-boss or a partner. Like, do you have anything like that?
2: Um, not one. I think I had, you know, I had a few. Uh, I think it's a more about where I was than not with whom I was. I, I mean, I was with a few amazing people, but like in the military, I, I was actually in a special forces unit in the artillery corps, and over there, I learned that I can, you know, I can walk 60 kilometers, 40 miles a night without sleeping and, and continue functioning. I can climb hills, ropes, carry people on my back. So I learned a lot about what I can do as a as a human being. And then working for the government, I mean, it was an amazing place. We, uh, really, if there's another place that can build a spacecraft, that's uh, where, where I worked. So you uh, find yourself surrounded by, by people who don't think that there's anything that can stop them.
1: So that must have been helpful to set that mindset. Uh, yes. <laughs> so the,
0: p- part of what I show is like to also understand um, what's your uniqueness, like what's your superpower. And, and and I'm listening to you, and I'm, I'm trying to think. Uh, like, what, what do you what do you think it is?
2: Um, not letting pessimism take me down, and, keeping uh, the right spirit, trying to solve a problem. Roşbakir, Nibu, how would yeah, you
0: say that? in yeah. English? I'm, 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 I actually, I don't know what the translation is, but but that's persistence. exactly what
2: it is assistance. But it's uh, it's like persistence up to a point that it almost looks silly. Mm-hmm. You know, in the beginning with SpaceX, nine out of ten people that we've met, both philanthropists and space engineers, told us that it can't be done in Israel.
1: You know, Steve Jobs said that famous quote: "Of those who are crazy enough to think they can change the
2: world, are mm-hmm. the ones who actually do it." Yeah. Uh, yeah, you could say that.
0: No, but that's exactly what I thought. Like, I think the the, the general idea he even surrounds himself with super optimists. It's it's super optimism. It's it's. Yeah, he drives like
2: wife crazy.
0: She's not like that. <laughs> <laughs> like you're always thinking you can solve the problem. You're going with people who are, who are persistent, but also think they, you know, they're optimists as well. So mm-hmm. they they continue to do whatever they do because they know there's an end game at the end. Like even sometimes you don't even like from what you told uh, us right now, you don't visualize the end game yet, right? I they do. I have
2: like a very vague visualization of, you know, lots of drones flying delivering goods in real time. But I uh, and I can even you know start working on the details. But, but that was not have...
0: day one. On day one, you didn't imagine those drones flying, or, or um, did you?
2: I did, but you know the uh, the details. The, the vision doesn't change. The details does do.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: the spacecraft grew up a lot since we we started the project. Uh, uh, FlightX, we've, we've you know we've. Uh, you know, fine-tune the, uh, the solution so much. And I'm pretty sure that in a year from now, the uh, if I start looking at the details of my vision, the details would be different. Because we'd be mm-hmm. using it has different to be agile. You're,
1: you're creating something mm-hmm. from nothing. That's, that's special. And I think uh, people that's... can learn a lot from this. Uh, just, you know, if you have an idea and you believe in your idea, uh, don't let anything stop you.
2: But it's not blind faith. It's based on, you know, intuition, engineer, in my case, engineering intu- intuition, about looking at what was done and how much it costs. And, and
1: yeah, that's just, what I'm actually thinking right now, that there has to be some sort of balance because you have exactly. to always know, there has to be a point where you have to realize this is delusional
2: uh, and that happens, it has to happen. There's a nice sentence that I've heard, if you're not making a salary out of that, it's it's not your profession, it's your hobby.
1: Right. I think I also heard that said with respect to maybe three years. If you've been doing it for three years and you're not earning, it's not a profession, it's a hobby.
0: No, but I think I think what's really, when he says intuition, all of the ideas that we talked about right now, he said, uh, I'm sorry for rephrasing what you said, but uh, if they landed on the moon in 1960, I can probably do it. If Amazon is sending drones out there, I can probably do it because I have the know-how of technicalities and, a reference so, point. and so, the reference point. So it's in yes reality.
2: No. Okay, yeah, it's, it's yes and no. I mean, nuclear reactors have been with us since the fifties. Right? Can you can you build a nuclear reactor back in your you know in your backyard?
0: I, I can't build a bed for me. but, but <laughs> hypothetically, I understand. So
2: space technology uh, is one of those technology that has been uh, part of it on purpose. Has, has been you know stayed in the shadows in the governmental realm. Uh, so, uh, well, actually, there are a few companies, startups that are now doing nuclear act also. Even that is now. <laughs> he feels <laughs> bad
0: now. Shit, go, go to Google, <laughs> Google the reactor, build it. Five, five easy steps. Five easy steps,
2: uh, YouTube channel. <laughs> right,
0: right. But, but the benchmark helps, helps actually to make it, you know, a reality. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, optimism helps to push it every day.
2: Yeah, completely. You have to be optimistic otherwise.
0: Is there an entrepreneur that, like, like, if he's not optimistic, he can succeed. Is there such a thing?
2: So there's another nice sentence. I mean, expect for the best and prepare for the worst. Right. So on one hand, you have to make, you know, you have to believe that you're going to make it. On the other hand, you have to, you know, cover all the bases to make sure that, you know, you
1: have to of, at,
2: at the end of, what, a lot of what I do as a CEO is reading legal documents. Yeah, I, fun. I, yeah, it's not that fun, but it's, you know, I understand that I need that yeah. in order to succeed, to make sure that all the bases are covered.
1: So the fact that you're optimistic and that uh, you don't let anything stop you doesn't mean that you don't understand that there's going to be a lot of hard work and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just...
2: If we, let's hustling. say, we, we test a new hardware device, never order one, order two or three units because you're going to break the first one. And I don't want that to stop you for a few weeks until you get a new, a new one. So we order... Unless it's really prohibitively expensive and then we only order one and, you know, the obalak... <laughs> Make sure you don't break it, but otherwise.
1: So believe, but validate. Uh,
2: yeah, do you always have a fallback? Yeah, I always, you know, in my mind, I can, you know, if everything fails, I can also, I can always go back and being an engineer somewhere.
0: No, but I mean, they get and they fall back in a fallback in the meaning. I have a plan A for this.
2: Yeah, always.
0: And if that doesn't work, there's a plan B. If not, there's a plan C. Mm-hmm. Are you always like playing with that. Yep, yeah, always.
2: Yeah, road not Put all your eggs in one basket.
1: But you did just say that you know you can always fall back to being meaning That meaning that you always know that there is that chance that whatever you're trying will not work out. If
2: plan A, B, and C won't work out and we will run out of money, so yeah, there's always. But that's, that's in mind
1: because some people say no, that's not an option. Uh, there's
2: nothing that's not an option. I mean, you can't,
0: you can't really know. Especially when your aspiration is to do yes. automatic drones and yes. delivering them, and Those you know deals. spacecrafts, automatic spacecrafts to the moon. You know it becomes it becomes more logical to think that maybe one percent of a chance.
2: Absolutely, that, it's just know, if, it's if you just, want if you want God to laugh, tell him your plans. That's yeah, you know, the same, right?
1: Yeah, just a really interesting to see different narratives that people tell themselves. Because one entrepreneur will say, "I have one game, one end game, and it's not an option to fail." And that's what I tell myself, and it's just not. So um, it depends. At I'm the more end, in your, if nobody's uh, if, if
2: nobody's willing to to pay you to do that in the entire world, you can't get someone to invest in you. Then, uh, man, you 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 know, it's That's a nice fun. hobby. Yeah. yeah. And and what's your end game? Like,
0: where do you want to see yourself?
2: uh Making a dent in the world. In the universe. Maybe i make, make a dent. I don't know. Maybe making a few dents. <laughs> <laughs> And, and Space and, is a sort of one, Flight is a second. It's not sort of one, I think it is one.
1: When are we going to be on the moon?
2: Uh, currently, it's February 13th, 2019. Uh, if the launch would be will postpone be postponed from December to January, it might uh, skip a month to uh, March.
1: And knowing you, that's going to be a nice dent, but that's going to still be just where you are at mm-hmm. that moment, and you're still going to keep... Wanting to grow and create other
2: dents, right?
0: Yeah, of course. What does that hunger come from? Why do you want to make a few dents? Why is not one dent
2: enough? Uh, that's a good question. I love solving problems. I love solving big, big problems. So, you know, that's. And if I'm making a dent, it means the problem was big enough.
0: That's true. Although you want to change the dent has to, like if you think of it logically, you want that dent to be not a dent. You have to. Uh... solving a real problem. But, so, so, first of all, thanks so much. your time
2: thanks for having me (laughs) yeah of course uh it was a
0: pleasure um one of the things i took from this conversation i was someone else did is something about uh, the motion that you're always on motion you always have something that you're working on the persistence you have and the optimism um as a feature optimism i think i think also saved your uh day-to-day because mm-hmm. if you weren't optimistic, it's easy in a few points in life. I'm not even talking about the crucial snowboarding point, but it's easy to go to that place where you're saying, okay, I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going, you know, to my normal, whatever I do. Cause like, I'm talented. I, I don't want
1: to deal with the stress.
0: Yeah. Like I, I'm super talented. I was talented before I was successful before. And I still want to go to those challenges because he's optimistic that that dent is going to happen. And those as, uh, big aspirations of big businesses. It's, it's not opening up a franchise, you know, burgers, which is amazing, but it's doing things that's that also are, a, a, very, life. No,
2: yeah, a big challenge. By big way. challenge.
0: <laughs> I didn't mean to. Doing a disrespect it.
2: especially in places like New York or Tel Aviv, that's. that's
0: no, no, I didn't mean that in
2: disrespect. I'm not like sure a... that I can tackle such a challenge.
0: <laughs> 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 but Aspiration of the Moon, where there's only several people to do that, uh, I think that's super impressive. And if you weren't optimistic that I can't you couldn't believe that that could mm-hmm. happen without that so thanks for that
1: and thank you thank you for your time this was a pleasure
0: yeah, thanks guys uh, and
1: we can't wait to see the moon landing and where you go next
0: and uh, if I can go to the moon myself I'd happily yeah. do that like if I could uh, just that. tag along to that space. well it's can... an
2: unmanned spacecraft on a one way mission so uh, I'm not sure that you are... no I'm not in for one maybe way the mission,
1: next so. project two way mission on. I'm
2: in can you hold your breath for a month or so I'll work Ooh, on it 40, up, yeah.
0: 42 seconds right now is
2: my...
0: <laughs> I'll work on it <laughs>
2: So, uh, just to your subscribers and listeners, don't forget to uh, like us on Facebook, both spacesail.com and uh, flightrex.com.
1: Yeah, do that, people. All right, bye bye. Real life.
2: Superpowers.
0: Up in the sky, it's a bird It's the plane! Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology.
2: live.